Well, hello there. It's great to see you again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Your Money and a Cup of Joe. I am your moderator, Ryan Ruff, and it's great to be back with everyone today. As always, I have my right-hand man, Joe Kaleo of the Kaleo Wealth Management Group, who's joining me. He'll be with us in just a moment. Uh, but look, we're going to dive into a really big wealth management topic today. And it, to, really, to start things off, it, to be financially successful at any age, uh, any age, in, in especially in today's day and age, uh, it's you got to be financially literate. And that is knowing how to navigate foundational concepts and ideas surrounding money. And, you know, the earlier we begin to instill this knowledge, this level of financial literacy in our kids, the better off they could potentially be in so many ways, shapes and forms as they progress through life. So today, Joe and I are going to be examining just how parents and grandparents and family members as a whole can help their heirs and maybe even themselves in the process to become more financially literate so they can make more well-informed decisions for their financial world day in and day out. So with that, let's welcome Joe aboard. Joe, good to see you today. How are you doing, sir? Ryan, doing great. Good to see you. Glad everybody's here. This is a good and an important topic, so I'm ready to dig in. Yeah, absolutely. So Joe, I mean, the you know, topic today being financial literacy, how to improve people's liter you know, level of literacy overall. Uh, where do we in general, Joe, it stand today as a, as a group of, of beings? Where do we uh, stand in terms of the understanding of the, of the core financial concepts that are out there? I think as we get into this, Ryan, we have to start by defining what do we mean by financial literacy at its most basic level. Financial literacy means the ability to understand various financial related concepts and how we put them to use. So the Financial Educators Council defines it as having financial knowledge, behaviors, systems, team, and the plan to confidently take effective action that best fulfills an individual's personal, family, and global community goals. So it's essentially about having the knowledge and skills to make smart decisions about money. And Joe, you know, in your experiences and doing some of the readings uh, surrounding this topic, how does our, you know, our current state of affairs in the U.S. hold up when it comes to our, our overall level of financial literacy? Ryan, I would say in a word, frankly, discouraging. Uh, statistically, the numbers are not good, right? Just 34% of adults showed high levels of financial literacy based upon a test offered by FINRA's Investor Education Foundation. And they asked questions about inflation, interest rates, mortgages, and some other topics, 34%. In particular, our understanding of risk and uncertainty is low. And adults, on average, correctly answered just 36% of the questions in another study relating to comprehending risk. That's not high, One in little over one in three. And then finally, one financial literacy study's overall results have ranged anywhere from 49 to 52% over the past five years, meaning only one in, out of two could answer half the questions. It's, these, aren't, these aren't promising numbers. No, not at all. Well, do you have any idea or does the team have any idea really as to what might be causing such, you know, such kind of discouraging numbers like you mentioned? There's not a lot of clarity as to why the numbers are so low, but the good news is the problem's getting more and more attention lately. So finding like the ones I just mentioned are prompting more affluent families as well as educators to push for greater financial literacy among kids as well as other young Americans to help reverse recent trends. So for example, 89% of people with children say financial literacy 
should be a required subject in school, at least that's according to the Spectrum Group. Indeed, if you have children or grandchildren, there's a likelihood that they could instill some financial smarts in their heirs. Well, let's let's sit on that for a second. The parents and grandparents, that is. Joe, in your eyes, what could parents or grandparents be doing to help foster that sense of, of financial literacy uh, to kind of maybe reinforce what they may or, or may not be getting, uh, you know, in their education? Yeah, I guess if you said job A is at the school, job one then is to address the issue head on, and that's often found by parents trying to be primarily responsible for educating their kids about money. However, many of those parents didn't get or don't regularly discuss financial matters on their own either with their kids. So it's about becoming a frequent conversation. Additionally, adults and parents find themselves may need a refresher course on some foundational basics before discussing them with the kids. So it's not just the younger people who need a little help. It's also our generation. Yeah, sounds like a look in the mirror for a lot of folks out there. Uh, Joe, let's stay on the, on the the younger generation for a moment. Uh, you know, what would you say? Uh, you know, these children specifically need to be learning in order to kind of consider them financially literate in today's uh, definition of the word. I think you've got to depend, and or it does depend, Ryan, on their age and their maturity level. Right? You're going to have different topics depending upon where they are specifically. So you don't start talking about a yield curve with an eight-year-old, of all things, right? Uh, they're talking more about rubber bands, I think, at, at age eight, right? So let's talk about what's right or suitable for everyone and where they are age-specific. So let's start, say, with unit pricing. You're thinking, oh my gosh, what's unit pricing? Let's talk about trips to the grocery store. It's a perfect example and a natural way for a family to get a kid to grasp the concept of price per pound, price per ounce, and the like. So that way, he or she can actually see how items are priced and what's less or more expensive and how some things can actually be more expensive over time. How about budgeting? Setting up a basic budget can be one of the best ways for kids to wrap their arms around concepts like cash flow in and out, necessities versus wants, and emergency funds. Budgeting is actually a concept that some affluent families struggle to teach and hand down to younger kids. Why? Because if they've been able to have enough and consistently have enough wealth to take care of all the needs and most of their wants, they just do it. But this is where letting kids have some practical experience, like an allowance, a small side business can have a great and positive impact. How about savings yields, Ryan? Part of the discussion on the importance of having a savings account and part of the process of setting up that account can include what a bank or other financial institution will pay you to park your money with them. Compare yields offered by banks, whether they're local or online, CDs or other common investment vehicles for short-term savings or emergency funds, then do the math to see how much money you've had at the end of one year with various yields. Expand on the topic by discussing the differences in liquidity as well as the access to your funds and the different account types. By explaining all these things, it gets kids to often ask questions and then they begin to explore and make their own decisions, which is incredibly powering. 
No, this is great. I love the real world application too. They're bound to be going to the grocery store with mom or dad. You know, the, the, there's already a, a level of natural exposure. This is great. Joe, let's, let's uh, progress the proverbial timeline a little bit, shall we say. What would you say are maybe some of the next level things to address? Maybe if someone's in middle or high school, right around that age, what would you say? Great. So let's go there. How about credit credit cards or credit and borrowing? So the allure of a credit card or spending often starts young, and it's good to show kids early in their teens how interest charges on balances and cash advances are calculated and what those charges actually mean in terms of the real cost of their purchase. Discussions about credit and loans might also include the topic of credit scores, especially if they're in high school and you're financing a vehicle for them. That's incredibly important and will impact their behavior. Let's talk about equity ownership. Eventually, you'll probably want to impart some facts about how capital markets work and how to tap into their growth potential through equities. Well, the field's wide open, especially at a young age. And the basics from such as what's the price per share and the pros and cons of direct ownership versus mutual funds or ETFs and the nuances of capital gains taxes versus dividends and interest. All of that comes into play. And then how about risk and reward? As noted, financial risk is poorly understood by many people. And unfortunately, the brain's ability to accurately assess risk isn't terribly strong until we hit our 20s, if then. That said, a concept like inflation's impact on the value of money over time can reinforce earlier discussions about the risks of saving and investing too conservatively. So likewise, the risk of significant short-term losses found more volatile asset classes can help cement certain ideas around finding a balance between risk and reward. And Ryan, even here, we use a specific risk and reward chart now with every new client we meet with. I met with a man who's got a net worth in nine-figure territory. Even he didn't understand how much he could have at risk in his investments before he became a client of ours at that time. When we showed him this chart, he began to understand risk in a way no one had explained to him. So if he's got nine figures of worth, of net worth, and didn't understand it, that told me right there, most people don't. We use that with everyone now. I love to hear that. I mean, that really helps reiterate the point. Like this isn't just a, a thing that needs to be instilled within kids. I mean, a lot of us adults need to take a look in the mirror and test our own level of financial literacy. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that story. I bet it was a, quite the wake up call in some instance for that client. For both um, of us, right? Because here's a man of great worth and business success, but even he didn't understand, which is why I left his old advisor, how much he could lose at any one point. Then he began to understand and appreciate the risk he was taking at a much greater level. Of course, of course. Uh, well, Joe, getting back to kids for a second, uh, look, this isn't the most flashy topic for kids, right? They're not right, all right. going to find this super interesting and really want to talk about being financially literate. It's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. But that being said, then, do you have any advice for parents or grandparents that can make all of this process of instilling that financial literacy more intriguing, shall we say, to kids so that they do pay attention and the lessons do eventually sink in over time? 
Yeah, I think stickiness and interesting are both important, right? You've got to balance that along the way. And if you can bring it into the real world for them, that's helpful. Or if you can bring it in in terms of games to get their interest, right? So let's go games first. Old school board games. Remember Life or Monopoly or Payday? And, and involved taking on debt and how debt's paid back and deciding when to purchase something or when to take out insurance. All of that has consequences. And if you begin to understand it there, you can begin to apply it in real life. So it's a fun way to get started. Uh, elsewhere, there's online and console games that involve the same types of decision-making. So you can find the games that require players to navigate the intricacies of mortgages, earning money, managing savings and budgeting, as well as the risks and rewards of investing. And, and Ryan, we, we just touched on a moment ago, direct investing. So if you did an individual stock and you begin to give them names that they recognize, that can help them immediately make it real for them. So that can be helpful. Let's go back to what parents, though, can be involved in on a more regular basis, and that's allowances and side jobs. So if you're actually having to work for dollars, it can help keep kids and teens realize that money is finite and it prompts them to start paying attention how they save and how they spend it. So require them, for example, some of the money that they earn to be saved for non-essential items that they want. And having to pay for, say, 25 or 50% of a video game can help kids better understand the cost of various goods, for one, and two, help them develop an actual saving and budgeting plan for their spending goals. Now, all of a sudden, they're going to be motivated for their biggest wants or wishes or needs somewhere along the way. And then finally, Ryan, let's keep going with tech-enabled tools, right? Increasingly, parents and kids can access kid-friendly debit cards, and they can be monitored in real time. So money can be added to a kid's account, and the associated app can help track the balance as well as they could potentially set up savings plans, budgets, and possibly even charitable giving goals. Parents are doing this more and more. Parents will still maintain control over the account, and they can still limit the spending as well as get notified about every purchase made on the card. It can also help facilitate better conversations around money with the kids. Some of these resources also offer child-friendly investment platforms that show users how to size up risk and how compounding works over time, which can help boost wealth. Yeah, there really are a, just a litany of different tools that exist out there. So I appreciate you shedding some light on some of those, Joe. But what if Joe, you, you know, parent or grandparent, they get just get stuck in their efforts and, and they notice the traction, the stickiness and the fun that you mentioned just isn't there and their efforts really aren't going anywhere. Or on the flip side, as you mentioned earlier, the adults themselves might need a refresher on financial literacy. What do you have to share there? I think let's let's cover this in two parts. First, don't expect as a parent or a grandparent to have all the answers, right? You're going to have three quarters to 90% of the answers probably right from the get-go. Just sharing the basics, get kids involved. So that's the first thing. And you always have time to go research and answer. The second part is, Despite all that you can potentially do to boost your kids' financial literacy, you still might need some help. And a bit of the good news is that more and more schools are adding financial literacy to curriculums, whether it's high school or colleges and universities. And that's providing another avenue for learning to sink in. 
Of course, financial advisors you work with can be a great resource for introducing and explaining fundamental financial and investment concepts to younger generations. We're doing it on a regular basis. We see parents and grandparents asking it now more than ever. So potentially setting them up on a path to make smart decisions about their wealth in the decades to come could and probably should be a multifaceted approach. Oh, couldn't agree more. And Joe, for, for folks out there that would recognize the value in having a conversation with somebody like yourself or your team, maybe ahead of those efforts to get some good financial literacy efforts for their children in place, or or even just get a brush up themselves on it, what would be the best way somebody could open up a dialogue with you and your team to just start that conversation so that they know that they're they're taking the right steps toward ensuring a level of financial literacy for their uh, you know their heirs? Yeah. Ryan, I think the thing is, give us a call or shoot us an email. We're happy to share even the basic information that we have on literacy and how to explain risk and reward like we talked about, how markets move, maybe to create a budget, some of the things to think about on a basic level basis and then ratchet it up from there because there's all sorts of basic understanding that people come with and biases every day. We're happy to address them and then start a conversation or a dialogue. So Give us a call, shoot us an email. We're happy to start from there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Joe, look, I know you're a busy guy. You've got clients to serve. We'll let you get back to doing that. But uh, I appreciate you being on the podcast today to dive into this idea of financial literacy. Boy, is it ever so important. And uh, I think we left a lot of good info on the table for folks. Ryan, thanks for your help. Cheers to everyone. Indeed, indeed. Hey, uh, look, folks, before we let you go, we want to say thank you for stopping by and being with us on the show today. If you took something away from today's discussion surrounding financial literacy, make sure you hit that subscribe button then on the platform that you listen to the podcast to today on. That way you never miss out on future conversations just like this one, where Joe and I, we dive into these wealth management topics that a lot of clients are asking him about. He's sharing with clients on a regular basis, because at the end of the day, this show is meant to provide value to you and yours. Before Joe, I'm Ryan. We're going to go ahead and say so long now, but we appreciate you stopping by and being with us on your money and a cup of Joe. This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated. UBS Financial Services Incorporated does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. This material is made available for use by CEG. Neither UBS Financial Services Incorporated nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services Incorporated is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC. Joe Kaleo at Kaleo Wealth Management Group, UBS Financial Services Incorporated. 
Office address 200 West Highway 6, Suite 400 in Waco, Texas, 76712.